Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. It's time for another show dedicated to the world of keto. Check out ketoreset.com for details about my New York Times bestselling book and send your questions to info at ketoreset.com. Keto peoples. Hi, it's Brad Kearns. It's been a while since we did some Q&A, some community connection, and I have a wonderful document going with insightful, interesting questions, some of them long stories of success or struggle, and the details help because there's a lot of common ground and common experience out there. So may you enjoy and benefit from the many contributors to the show. Thank you, those who are writing in. If you would like to ask a question, give feedback, make a suggestion, how about info at ketoreset.com? And if you haven't checked out ketoreset.com, go look at that website. It's pretty slick, man. We have the complete overview of the Keto Reset Mastery course. Uh, There's a landing page for each of the books in the family, the Keto Reset Diet, the Keto Reset Instant Pot Cookbook, and the Keto Reset Diet Cookbook. And coming soon, Mark Sisson and I busting out another one. We're deep into this thing right now, man. We're working on deadlines, so it's going to be a masterpiece, going to be a masterpiece. Cake by the ocean! Waste time with a masterpiece. Don't waste time with a masterpiece. Uh-uh. Yes, so what we're trying to do is present a comprehensive look at the subject of longevity with keto as the underpinning or the gateway, or better yet, metabolic flexibility, the all-encompassing term designating that you are adept at burning a variety of fuel sources, including stored body fat, including manufacturing ketones in the liver when carb intake is low or when you're skipping meals, fasting, starving. That's the original intent and the evolutionary rationale for uh, ketone manufacturing, something we forget these days when we uh, characterize it as a stuff-your-face-with-fat type of diet. So it's going to cover metabolic flexibility and a lot of new material Uh, picking up where Keto Reset Diet left off with some higher levels of sophistication and tweaking for uh, people changing their diet as they age, uh, doing some strategies like an annual uh, Keto Reset journey six weeks long in the wintertime, even if you're not eating keto uh, all all around the year. All kinds of great stuff in there. And then transitioning into uh, beyond just the diet aspects, the complementary lifestyle practices that support a keto-friendly lifestyle, such as movement, general everyday movement, uh, physical fitness, your ambitions for cardiovascular exercise, strength training, sprinting, uh, getting into the mindset aspect, which is so important to longevity, and mental health and approaching your dietary transformation goals with a great attitude, and finally rest and recovery, the thing that's been uh, egregiously Uh, disregarded in modern times thanks to the introduction of uh, digital stimulation 24-7. Our brains are getting fried. We don't realize it because we're we're too distracted to realize it. So that's a sneak preview of the content of the book. Uh, But to open up the show, I thought I would talk about a particular section 
where we emphasize this point uh, about uh, the importance of doing keto the right way. Uh, if you rush into this, which so many people are inclined to do, coming from a uh, high carbohydrate grain based diet or coming into the game with uh, a lingering level of metabolic damage or perhaps some yo-yo dieting on the docket uh, whereby your metabolic flexibility is really struggling and then you plunge into an aggressive dietary transformation, uh, you're setting yourself up for trouble. Ditto if you come into the picture with uh, some leaky gut issues, which has so many downstream uh, negative effects on your ability to burn fat, control inflammation, uh, all that stuff is best handled and addressed and optimized before you attempt a ketogenic eating period because it is a pretty big departure from uh, even the primal paleo low-carb style eater. Uh, it's still a big departure from that type of eating pattern and uh, increasingly strict and can uh, put you into some uh, difficulty. And speaking of that, you hear the term the keto flu bantered about all the time as a necessary and expected element of your keto experience. And that is absolutely ridiculous and ludicrous. So we have to uh, extract that concept out and beat it to a pulp and realize that this journey should not entail struggling, suffering, or flu-like symptoms in the afternoon. These are just indications that your approach is flawed. Your body, your Homo sapiens genes, are very adept at burning stored fat, producing ketones in the liver, and all that good stuff. It's hardwired into your genetics. Of course, we've completely trashed it and screwed it up with decades of high-carbohydrate, high-insulin-producing eating patterns, but when you dust things off and reawaken your genetic uh, capabilities, things will go very smoothly. If they're not going very smoothly, it's just an indication that you perhaps need to be more patient, perhaps need to dial in certain aspects of your approach that are flawed, and expect things to work very well and pretty much smoothly and effortlessly and everything uh, trending toward feeling better rather than feeling worse. Some of the common uh, pitfalls are uh, not optimizing the uh, electrolytes and mineral intake. So when you go keto, you uh, alter your inflammatory balance in cells throughout your body. Basically, you get rid of the crappy food that's triggering chronic inflammation, so you experience less inflammation and water retention throughout the body when you transition over to keto diet. You also are consuming fewer carbohydrates, so you don't have as chock-a-block packed full glycogen stores all the time. And remember, uh, one gram of carbohydrate binds with three grams of water to be stored as glycogen in the body, so you're not as bloated, you're not as stuffed up with water. Oh, and guess what? That means you're not retaining as much fluid. You're not retaining as much sodium in that fluid. So when you shed uh, inflammation, water retention, your electrolyte balance and your sodium balance can get disturbed temporarily, necessitating 
uh, a great devotion to increased sodium intake in the diet, as well as magnesium and potassium in the Keto Reset Diet. We uh, consult with experts and talk about making a concerted effort to add five grams of sodium intake per day. We're talking about a quality sodium product, a complete mineral product, such as real salt or Himalayan pink salt that you find in good stores. Real salt's a brand name, uh, good stuff. And we're also talking about making an effort to uh, increase magnesium intake by 400 milligrams a day. That's the typical size of a capsule. You can get 200s or 400s, so get a quality magnesium product and supplement with that. Besides going for the leafy greens and all the foods that are high in, in minerals and electrolytes, and then also uh, bumping up your potassium to the tune of 1,000 milligrams a day, and that would be avocado, man, uh, and many other nutritious foods. If you're eating right, your problems are lessened, but when you switch to keto, man, it's time to pay a little more focus, especially on the sodium thing. So what I do is I have my shaker of real salt, and I just shake that into every single beverage I drink throughout the day. What do I drink throughout the day? Homemade kombucha! Oh my gosh, I am the biggest fan now. I believe that that, in combination with uh, a big binge on assorted probiotic formulas, I have some liquid probiotics called Flourish. I have the capsules made by Primal, and then I go to the store and buy some of the uh, kind of milk-type little bombs and just put in uh, different types of probiotics and then pounding the homemade kombucha for the past, oh, I'd say year and a half to two years. I've been brewing up uh, four gallons at a time. So every two or three weeks, I will finish off those things, cutting it always with uh, bubbly water. Thank you, uh, Soda Stream. So I get my fizzy water and do about two thirds water, one third kombucha, and it's really helpful for gut health and uh, coming into the uh, the keto scene with healthy intestinal function. So making sure you get your electrolytes dialed, making sure your gut health is optimal, and making sure that you have some uh, metabolic health and no lingering conditions such as uh, thyroid dysfunction, adrenal problems, uh, hormone panels that come back bad. During those times, you want to focus on consuming a variety of healthy, nutritious foods and not restricting uh, in the name of keto until you're starting to feel great uh, in normal, everyday uh, primal paleo, low-carb, ancestral-style eating. Okay, so that's the big one. What happens when you try keto and you're not ready and it's too tough and you're getting the keto flu and all these sort of things are happening? Uh, generally speaking, one of the uh, drawbacks, the things that we really don't like, you are triggering the fight-or-flight response on a chronic basis. Because when you have a drop in blood sugar, blood glucose, the brain perceives this as a matter of life or death, as it was during primal times. Remember, our primal ancestors were fat-burning beasts. They were keto machines. They went without food routinely for long periods of time, short periods of time. They even binged on carbohydrates once in a while when it was summertime and the berries were ripe and they uh, had those genetic triggers. Yes, we have a, a genetically hardwired sweet tooth in the human body. Uh, to promote uh, binging on carbs during those narrow ripening seasons in the summer and even fattening up in preparation for the winter ahead. So we're very good at supplying our bodies with the sugar we need at all times. 
Now, with these modern dietary patterns where we're getting addicted to sugar and we can't even go so much as skipping a single meal without getting uh, hangry, hungry and angry in the afternoon, right? Or skipping breakfast and being non-functional at work at 10.45 a.m. due to carbohydrate addiction. So that's a big problem. So when we try to jump out of that and go keto and there are no carbs coming down the pipe at your morning power bar snack or your trip over to Starbucks or whatever you're doing to fuel yourself in normal everyday life for the past several decades whenever you got low blood sugar, now the fight-or-flight response kicks in and you start to make the sugar you were going to buy at Starbucks. That's called gluconeogenesis, the conversion of lean muscle tissue into sugar to supply emergency fight-or-flight glucose needs to the brain. So kicking into fight or flight uh, days on end because you're not all of a sudden you're not consuming the carbs that you're used to eating and you're not good at burning body fat yet. You're not good at making ketones yet. You are basically a stress hormone buzzed out machine. Guess what? As you can reference from those high stress personal crisis periods of time in life when you were running on fumes, whatever it is, a family, family illness, family tragedy, personal crisis where you're out of sorts and you wake up every day and you have energy, you're not hungry, your hands are shaken, you jump up and you go for 12 hours straight. It could be the IPO coming up or whatever the insane work uh, project or things that are throwing you out of balance. You kick into this fight or flight response and you lock in there and you have all the sugar you need all day long. You don't even have to eat. That's not a good thing. No bueno. It's good for, uh, you know, short-term emergency, that gluconeogenesis to uh, flee from the predator or perhaps the um, prisoners that escaped from uh, Danamora. Did you see the uh, the Showtime uh, series uh, with um, the episodes that were chronicling, dramatizing the true story of the prisoners that escaped from a maximum security prison upstate New York 2015? It was called Escape at Danamora. Whew! Good stuff. Ben Stiller, uh, producer, director. Anyway, back to the show. So, you are bathed in stress hormones, prominently cortisol, and the other ones that give you this uh, fight-or-flight, increased alertness, increased energy, and you are basically, as Tommy Wood uh, calls it, check out the uh, show that we did uh, three shows on the Get Over Yourself podcast channel and got way deep into this. So go listen to Dr. Tommy Wood throwing down on all these matters, but he calls it liquidating your assets. Not good. And I chimed in uh, with the analogy of the boat and we kept talking about the boat because I was visiting Tommy in Seattle and saw these super awesome boats on Lake Washington and thought, wouldn't it be nice to have a boat? Those things are great, man. It looks like so much fun. Those people smiling in the sunshine and it's like, oh, hey, I could buy a boat right now. Just get my credit card, max it out, right? <laughs> uh, forget the uh, the bill pile at home and just throw down and pop for a boat and uh, uh, motor away onto Lake Washington or wherever else. Uh, But I'm liquidating my assets. I'm causing big trouble down the line. And that's exactly what the stress hormone response is doing. You're liquidating your assets. You're stripping down lean muscle tissue. You're suppressing immune function to address the immediate immediate need of fueling your brain with glucose so you can function uh, throughout the afternoon or whatever if you're trying to do fasting and you're not prepared. Uh, Man, but Emphasizing this point, 
You might feel great. You might feel buzzed on adrenaline, stress hormones, energy. Maybe you're going to CrossFit in the morning and then fasting afterward because you heard or read that this was a good idea. And all you're doing if you're not ready is setting yourself up for trouble. And that trouble will come. Believe me, my friend, it will come in three weeks, six weeks. Maybe it's a year. Maybe it's two years. I get all kinds of emails from people talking about how they were humming along, doing great in life, and then completely fell apart and plunged into the depths of autoimmune conditions, chronic fatigue. Debbie Potts, a profound example. She has a wonderful podcast called uh, The Whole Athlete, and she was a champion-level Ironman racing female stud chick going to the Hawaii, the big show, uh, year after year. I think she did Hawaii six times, which is extremely hard to qualify her. It implies she's one of the best in the world in her age category. And then numerous other Ironmans around the globe. So she was just locked in. And then one day it all fell apart. And it really was one day. She was out on a ride and she pulled over and got to the curb and started crying and could barely make it home. And this was just an example, an extreme example of the uh, stress hormone mechanisms breaking down and falling apart. The same thing happened to me on numerous memorable occasions during my nine years racing on the professional triathlon circuit. So I can reference these periods of time where I was traveling like crazy, jumping on a jet every week, flying to Israel or New Zealand or England. One time I went uh, from Los Angeles to Israel, back to Los Angeles, back to New Zealand the following week for a different race. Uh, So you're buzzed on adrenaline. Of course, the jet travel causes a profound spike in uh, stress hormones, fight or flight response, due to the just inherent stress of traveling through time zones and being confined uh, up in the cabin for long periods of time in a metal box, uh, de-energized metal box. So, so characteristic of this overstimulation of the fight or flight response is that in many occasions, short term, you feel fine. You are trying to be reasonable and make good decisions and listen to your body, everybody says, when you're trying to design your training program. But what happens is you have to ascend to a higher level beyond just listening to your body. Uh, my dog listens to her body and she lies down when she gets hot and when she sees uh, a, a squirrel or a raccoon, she chases after it like an idiot. I have to scream at her to stop because she's not supposed to do that, right? <laughs> but she's going on instinct alone. Uh, and humans need to go beyond that and use their intuition and their reasoning. That's why we're humans, not uh, members of the animal kingdom. That's why we rose to the top, right? So when you reasonably think, wow, I've really pushed the limits with my dietary transformation uh, in the last few weeks. I haven't eaten a single carbohydrate. I've been working as hard as ever, still going to CrossFit in the morning, and I feel great. Maybe I'm buzzed on stress hormones. That's a really relevant and important question to ask. And so it's super duper necessary to build in downtime for rest and recovery. That's why this new book, uh, Keto Longevity Working Title, is going to emphasize this broad-based approach to keto rather than just cutting your carbs and dialing in your macros. And gee, guess what? I'm answering a lot of questions that have come in through the email because people are just focused in on that and frustrated that they're not making progress in certain examples. And it's because the other parts of life aren't dialed in. Too much stress kicks you back into stress hormone response, which destroys your keto goals because fat burning and ketone manufacturing is all about stress balance, uh, parasympathetic to sympathetic balance, living a chill, uh, sensible lifestyle, 
engaging in sensible exercise where you're balancing stress and rest, you're doing brief, intense workouts, but you're getting out of the gym before you overproduce stress hormones and they linger in your bloodstream too long. The endurance athletes, making sure that heart rate is in the aerobic zone rather than in that no man's land, that black hole zone where you're burning a little bit of sugar and you're producing a little bit of stress hormones and you finish the workout feeling a little bit depleted and then you go into either carbohydrate binges, right? Ben and Jerry's, hello, this show sponsored by Ben and Jerry's with 78 flavors full of chemicals and artificial treatments, including hormones, pesticides, and antibiotics in the milk and all kinds of nasty stuff in that sugar. And you can enjoy it every night if you are leading an overly stressful lifestyle. Oh man, we just burned a sponsor opportunity there. How about Primal Kitchen instead? (sighs) Much better. Yeah. Primalkitchen.com. Tell them Brad sent you for a 20% discount. Just kidding. But if you call up customer service and hassle them, I'll get in big trouble and you'll get a 20% discount. I'll bet you. Dare me? Try it out. (laughs) Okay. There's your commercial. So, We want to minimize the stress response by being sensible and responsible with our ketogenic journey. And that's why in the Keto Reset Diet, so important to respect those steps. The 21-day metabolism reset, where you ditch grains and sugars, you do that fine-tuning period, and only then when you exhibit an impressive level of metabolic flexibility You're able to fast comfortably and function well uh, until noon, having not eaten since, let's say, 8 p.m. the night before. That's when you can plunge into keto. So if you don't do that, if you skip the steps, you're going to be bathed in stress hormones. That's the the takeaway point from this uh, sneak preview section of the book where we're talking about the folly of the fight-or-flight response. So... That's a lot of uh, Bradley Kearns talking straight out monologue. Let's share and mix it up a little bit with some questions written in to info at ketoreset.com. Did I tell you about the um, super duper discount when you go to ketoreset.com and sign up for the mastery course? Type in Brad20 and you get a 20% discount on your course enrollment forever and ever. The first question. Hi people. I have been disciplined about the compressed eating window, and it may be the single best habit I've integrated into my regime over the last year. This is probably splitting hairs, but do the essential oils and trace mineral drops I add to the water I drink in the morning count as exogenous substances? Or actually the term that Dr. Sachin Panda uses, the guy who's big on time-restricted feeding, is a xenobiotic substance, uh, meaning anything that requires uh, activity by the digestive system to process. So everything but water pretty much falls into that category as a xenobiotic substance, even if it doesn't have any calories. When you consume an herbal tea or a coffee uh, or a essential oil or trace mineral drop, your digestive system is going to kick into gear. So if you're talking about this time-restricted feeding concept and Dr. Panda wants us to uh, contain our digestive system activity to a maximum time window of 12 hours, right? So uh, let's say it's 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. If you first take your first drink of lemon water at 7 a.m., that starts the clock, and ideally you'll want to finish all consumption of calories or xenobiotic substances by 7 p.m. 
this was a revelation uh, for me, for Mark Sisson, uh, for most everyone, because of that concept that even non-caloric uh, ingestion is going to uh, keep the digestive system active. And the, the studies have been mostly with rats, where they have tremendous benefits to weight loss, body composition, inflammation, when they're tightening up their uh, their time-restricted feeding into maximum 12 hours. And of course, we know all about the benefits uh, and the commentary about tightening up the eating window even further. Uh, Mark Sisson's big on his uh, limiting his caloric intake to uh, the time period of 1 p.m. to 7 p.m. So he's basically eating in a six-hour window and achieving an 18-hour fast every day. Aha! However, he's also Mr. Coffee Guy in the morning. We have videos about that, talking about it, where um, the digestive system is kicking into gear early in the morning. So he might be eating uh, not in the six-hour window, but having digestive activity in the 12-hour window. Not a super big deal, especially if you're not slamming a whole bunch of carbohydrate sugar calories in the morning. If you're having an herbal tea or black coffee, probably not a big thing to worry about. Uh, but it's something that's stuck in my head, and I've tried to have this in the back of my mind when I am, for example, having yet another square of dark chocolate at 9.27 p.m. just for fun, or whatever. I'm having a drink of kombucha uh, in, in late into the evening, and then the next morning I'm getting up and having uh, some lemon water with salt at 6.45 a.m. or what have you. So, yeah, I mean, think about it. Another aspect or another uh, branch out here that is super interesting to me is that because digestive circadian rhythm is so uh, closely intertwined with your overall circadian rhythm, it might be fun and interesting, good experiment to turn on the digestive system in the morning when you want to turn on your body and start clicking into high-functioning cognitive gear. So if you enjoy fasting until noon or 1 p.m., but you want to get going and have a productive morning, maybe that coffee, as Mark Sisson relates, or the herbal tea or the lemon water with salt, like a lot of people are touting as an important thing to drink when you first wake up in the morning, so I'm trying to do that, uh, Kicking, kickstarting the digestive system might give you increased energy energy, alertness, and optimal hormone flow, even if you're taking little to no calories. So fun stuff and good research. You can go look at uh, the YouTube videos with Dr. Rhonda Patrick interviewing Dr. Sachin Panda, and there's part one and part two, and so you'll learn all about this time-restricted feeding concept. I think particularly if you're trying to drop excess body fat, these concepts become really interesting and important, where if you can achieve a tighter uh, uh, caloric intake window, like shooting for that um, that that 1 to 7 p.m., that 18-hour uh, fast and 6-hour caloric consumption window, uh, that could pay huge benefits to uh, your fat reduction efforts. Dr. Kate Shanahan, one of the leaders of the planet in knowledge and caring for actual people, uh, as well as being an author and a prominent ancestral health leader. She's a family physician. She takes care of real humans, not just writing books about stuff, but every day waking up and seeing people and helping them. So she's got the best of both worlds. And she says that giving your digestive system a break and not snacking between meals can be the key to fat reduction or getting past plateaus and making breakthroughs because anything you eat 
stimulates an insulin response and puts fat burning on hold. Isn't that interesting? We know that uh, sugar, <laughs> carbohydrates, will shut down fat burning, shut down ketone production, but even protein and fat will start to be burned and putting your uh, fat burning goals on hold as you process the ingested food. So if you're reaching for macadamia nuts uh, to the tune of one handful per hour, that is going to compromise your fat-burning goals. A pretty obvious picture there. Of course, uh, I talk a lot out of the gate, do whatever it takes to avoid a carbohydrate backslide. So snacking and going, going, hitting the fat bombs and all the other preparations really hard out of the gate as a strategy is just fine because we just want to get you off that carbohydrate train. And so if you're stuffing your face with a lot of extra food and you're not losing excess body fat, it's okay because down the line, you're tuning up your fat-burning engines. And then, as Mark likes to drop one of his favorite uh, lines when he's doing a live talk, you can get your next meal off your plate or off your button thighs, your choice. Okay, so grasp that, and especially Kate's insight, because I wasn't really uh, clear on that, that insulin is released uh, for anything that you consume. So she's all big on not snacking. She's got a new book coming out in 2020. I think it's going to be called The Fat Burn Factor. And that's one of the uh, prominent insights in there is like get away from snacking. Oh, sure. Go ahead. Enjoy a nice meal uh, or two. And whew, this is a big one that Mark and I are trying to work into uh, a central element of the book, which is... Uh, you know, two meals a day should be like the maximum we ever ponder at any time for the rest of our lives, no matter what kind of dietary pattern we're getting into, whether we're keto, uh, whether we're just eating healthy ancestral foods. If you're a vegan, vegetarian, whoever you are, there's really no justification for uh, sitting down and preparing three meals a day. That's just going to push you back into um, lifelong accumulation of excess body fat, unless you're a workout freak or something. Uh, bodybuilding machine where you're doing your six meals a day or whatever. But for most of us, when we have all these sedentary patterns, two meals a day is plenty. Make them nice and delicious and wholesome and filling, uh, but try to get away from the snacking as a strategy. Good stuff. Okay, so uh, we answered the question about essential oils and trace mineral drops. So essential oils, I didn't know you were going to be consuming those. I wonder which essential oils you're consuming. And the name did not come through on the question, so I don't know the name of the person, but write back. What are the essential oils doing in your morning drink? That's cool. I like uh, diffusing them uh, aggressively since I can't smell very well. So I put in like, you know, it says on the side, put in five drops and turn on your diffuser. I put in like 23 to 30 drops, dong, 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 dong. And then you walk in and you smell cinnamon. Oh, yeah. Even I can smell that. Okay. Next question from... Con Nicolaitis. Hi, guys. Really love the work you're doing. It makes so much sense. What a nice compliment. Thank you. You must get bombarded with loads of questions every day. So no rush on a response. My question is, what is a good age to start my children on keto? And if there is an ideal age, how do we know? Thanks. Keep up the fantastic work. Well, guess what? Uh, you win the prize for most polite question with that nice little intro. Huh, no rush on a response. Well, that's good because I think this question's been sitting here for a while as I related uh, being on this book deadline and not getting to Q&A uh, in a while. We've also had some good guests on the show, so that's cool. So the big thing is that 
when you're in these precious growth phases of life, right, when you are trying to divide cells quickly and grow, uh, this is maybe not the best time or the most necessary time to consider keto. So we're trying to do keto for longevity, for caloric efficiency, for fat reduction, uh, for improved cognitive function, disease protection, all these things, uh, and also uh, delaying or, or slowing down the rate of accelerated cell division that we get when we're constantly overfed throughout life. That is a huge mortality factor compromising your longevity because you're constantly overfed. Your body becomes less efficient with processing cellular material because they know that your body knows that more food is coming down the pipe and you can divide more cells uh, with more food. And so the penalty or the incentive to become an efficient machine with immune function, with autophagy, you've heard that term often used. That's the natural cellular detoxification process that is upregulated when uh, you're in a ketogenic state or when you starve your cells of energy in any way, including stressful workouts, you upregulate autophagy. So when you're eating too much food, all that stuff goes away and you just become a growth machine. Uh, and lifelong uh, prompting of accelerated cell division uh, is the essence of accelerated aging. So when we uh, live in the fast lane and party hard and don't sleep enough and eat a lot of sugar and alcohol and toxic substances, we are basically uh, inviting oxidative damage, glycation, and accelerated cell division. And that is the aging process uh, in front of you speeding up. So to slow down the aging process, we want to do the opposite. We want to get uh, uh, slowing down cell division and improving cellular repair and recycling and regeneration. That's autophagy through keto, through fasting, uh, through uh, sensible exercise, lifestyle, habits, sleep. Now, that's a long way to set up the answer to the question, but this is great content just to cover and understand. If you're in the growth phase of life, like little Vanessa daughter of the person who is mastering this recording. We want to feed that kid's face until she can take no more and uses the sign language to stop before she can formulate words. Uh, give the bottle, give the pears, give the carrots, and you want to get that baby to double their birth weight in one year, or you're going to get in trouble with your pediatrician, right? So in the growth phase of infancy all the way up to finishing your teenage years uh, is a good time to not worry about uh, any uh, carb restriction, but rather just emphasizing healthy foods, accepting uh, <laughs> the important modern caveat uh, is when we have these preteens or adolescents who are already exhibiting signs of uh, excess body fat, metabolic damage, metabolic syndrome markers, things like that, then they have to fall into a different category because they're overdoing their growth phase even during the time when they're supposed to be uh, emphasizing growth phase. You get me? But if you're, let's say, like my kid who is eating me out of house and home because he's gone from 155 pounds as a skinny little high school basketball player.
player to a 190 pound beast uh, playing in college basketball setting. Oh my gosh, man! <laughs> he's eating he's eating a giant meal, uh, catching his breath, and then eating another meal and having a smoothie on top of that. But he's trying to add muscle mass. That's a distinct growth phase of life. And adding functional muscle mass and becoming a better athlete, of course, is promoting of health and fitness and not a big longevity concern for him. Uh, in contrast, if someone who was doing that did not have the same metabolic function or the uh, same athletic goals, you're just going to go and get fat. And getting fat is your cue that you're overdoing the uh, uh, consumption of food. So I would say, uh, long story short, uh, don't consider keto for a, a child or a kid who's growing. Ditto for a pregnant lady right? A nursing mother. These are all categories of growth phases. So, that's a not, not very many people listening are going to raise their hand and say that they're in these uh, distinct growth phases of life. So, for most of us, keto is something to consider to get metabolically efficient, uh, but that's the answer, okay? Now, uh, does that mean hot fudge Sunday and Slurpee life for the kids, which is basically what we're seeing in America? No, it's a freaking disaster. And especially if you're athletic and healthy and you want your kids, uh, you want your kids to be athletic and healthy, um, they have an increased need for good nutrition and less justification for eating the garbage. And that's a huge battle to fight. I know I fought this battle myself with my kids and my, my son's teammates would come over and I'm, I'd try to stuff them up with good calories so that when the pizza did arrive, I'd try to beat them to it. I'd make a really healthy smoothie and I'd sneak in like four tablespoons of coconut oil into the smoothie so each kid in their plas- plastic cup was getting like, uh, you know, a thousand calories and it tasted like a chocolate drink, but it was just a big old bomb of uh, comparatively good nutrition to what's usually going down their throats. Yeah, you want to establish that baseline of healthy eating and then I guess, you know, cave at whatever level to the forces of the modern world and the birthday party where they're having all the crap, but, you know, make an effort to get kids that good nutrition during that growth phase of life because it's critically important, right? Is that a nice, complete answer there? Okay, let's see. Hello, people, Keto Reset peoples. Mark, Brad, Brian, Lindsay, you guys are doing a great job. I have purchased and bought and listened to your keto audiobook on Audible. I've always been a bread pasta carb guy. My starting weight was 303 pounds, and within three and a half weeks, I've gotten down to 283. 20 pounds in three and a half weeks. That's awesome. Carl Anderson, good job, man. Carl says, I'm not eating any bread, pasta, potatoes, rice, junk food, candy, or cakes. I drink water and tea only. I was never really into exercising, but I want to when I'm starting to read your book. And now uh, I've been walking on the treadmill three times a day for 30 minutes to an hour. Wow, that's a pretty big commitment right there. Now, suddenly I've stopped losing weight. I've been stuck at 283 for the past five days. I'm doing everything that I was doing at the start. Can you give me some ideas about what might be going wrong? Nothing's going wrong, man. You're doing fantastic. You made uh, such amazing progress out of the gate, and remember that first um, uh, that first uh, jolt of uh, significant weight loss is likely a lot of it's coming from a reduction in uh, inflammation and water retention in cells throughout the body because you've cut out the junk food all of a sudden. So that's a lot of that twenty pounds getting off, and then losing excess body fat to the tune of. 
right? 3,500 calories per pound. So creating a caloric deficit to that extent uh, is going to take a while. Let's say uh, you're, you're talking about a, a, a week's time. 3,500 divided by 7 is, what is that? That's a 500 calorie per day caloric deficit. That's pretty significant to reduce a grand total of one pound of fat per week. But when you add that up and you realize what a pound of fat loss looks like compared to just uh, a pound of transitory water weight, people complain that they gained five pounds, lost five pounds on the scale. But we're talking about you know an actual change in body composition. Pretty soon, your pants are going to get to start to get loose. People are going to look at you and notice a distinct difference in your appearance, even from losing only five pounds of excess body fat. So it does make a big difference, but it takes uh, it takes a while, and you have to be patient even losing at the accelerated rate of 500 calorie per day caloric deficit and carrying on until you get all the weight off that you need to and also accept those plateaus are going to occur because the body uh, does not necessarily like to be in the uh, aggressive shedding of body fat mode. We have a lot of hormonal and homeostatic mechanisms promoting status quo, okay? Uh, Because, again, the evolutionary example, um, storing body fat is a critical part of fattening up for the winter and being prepared for long periods of time without uh, access to calories. And speaking of that, fantastic book, Lights Out, Sleep, Sugar, and Survival, talking about how our genes and hormones are calibrated toward uh, circadian rhythm and annual seasonal rhythms where when it's light out in the summer, uh, we are wired to stay up longer, have more energy, be more active. And then when it's cold and dark and shorter days in the winter, we're wired to sleep more, relax, have less physical energy output. We don't seem to uh, respect that or implement that when we're looking at our CrossFit calendar and the December workout list or the running group uh, meeting at 5.30 as usual for the tempo run on Tuesday and the long run on Saturday year-round. So trying to uh, respect these seasonal patterns a little more with your caloric intake and also your energy expenditure uh, can pay some dividends because uh, in Lights Out, Sleep, Sugar, and Survival, uh, the authors argue, Formsby and Wiley, argue that because of the introduction of artificial light after dark, we have tricked our genes into thinking that it's summertime all year round, right? Because what time does it get dark in our world, in our artificial world? It gets dark at 10.45 p.m., whether it's June 21st, summer solstice, or whether it's December, because you're blasting light into your eyeballs, the super chiasmic nucleus, the control center uh, that tells the hypothalamus what to do and what hormones to send throughout your bloodstream is being lit up by your laptop screen. So you are in calorie consumption, fat storage mode, and you're locked in there, just like it's the end of the season and our ancestors are binging on berries because we're getting ready for winter all the time. So to unwind that and to break through weight loss plateaus to try to get back to uh, somewhat of an answer to Carl's question, what are we going to do? Tone it down, man. Make a winter really be a real winter where you are toning down your exercise output, sleeping more, uh, making your days shorter, or honoring the shorter uh, daylight cycles outdoors with earlier evenings, darker, mellower evenings in the winter. And yeah, in the summer, go for it. 
my friends up in Canada talk about the uh, lifestyle changes uh, in regards to summer and winter, and they're they're partying a lot in the summer. And there's some event up in um, uh, northern Ontario where uh, they are uh, staying up all night on the summer solstice and partying because, geez, I mean, it doesn't get dark till ten forty eight p.m. and then it gets light at you know four oh one a.m. or something. So it's not a big stretch, right? And that summer, winter, man, everything's going to be slowing down. We're going to be holing up, sleeping more, being more lazy, and that's perfectly all right, perfectly acceptable, and it could contribute to um, fat reduction success. Thank you for listening. Go to ketoreset.com, sign up for the mastery course, type in the code BRAD20, send us an email with feedback or questions for the show at info at ketoreset.com. Signing off for now, this is Brad. Walk around like it's a funeral. Why so serious, girl, not to play low? We just getting started on your tiptoe. Tiptoe. Waste time with a masterpiece. Waste time with a masterpiece. You should be rolling me. You should be rolling me. So, Chris Kelly, Nourish, Balance, Thrive, we're, we're talking about health, and you're telling me a funny story about your picky four-year-old daughter that won't eat unless there's Primal Kitchen uh, condiments on the table? It's true. My daughter will not eat unless there's f***ing the Primal Kitchen Wilder. <laughs> it's, it's this cute thing, actually, she does. We have a local state park called Wilder Ranch. Oh, yeah. And uh, she calls the ranch dressing Wilder Ranch dressing. Which <laughs> we, 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 there's no way we're going to correct her on that. It's just too perfect. It's so, so endearing. Uh, how old um, is she? She's four. Oh my god! So she likes like the mayo on. Oh yeah, she so she loves those. So we love them as well. We have uh, we we eat them all the time. We eat the mayo. We eat the balsamic. We eat the the ranch. Um, the avocado oil we use all the time, and, and so you know that's completely genuine. And I don't mind talking about that because you took the pain in the ass out of condiments. I really appreciate that. What an authentic spot from Chris Kelly at Nourish, Balance, Thrive. And yes, Primal Kitchen, you can call it Wilder Ranch Dressing if you want. <laughs> and uh, we'll send five cents of the proceeds over to that beautiful state park because they're, they're trying to make ends meet in Santa Cruz Mountains. Thank you very much, Chris. <laughs> That's my pleasure.